0: We're uh, finishing up Romans chapter 9, and then we'll uh, move into chapter 10 this morning. I, surely, I, I believe we will. Uh, right now, we're, we're working on number four, vindication of God's dealings with the Israelites on the ground of divine sovereignty accompanied with much long-suffering. It's one thing that I think people, as a rule, have difficulty with, and that is the fact that God is sovereign. Uh, by that, it simply means he has all power. Uh, Paul will use the, the analogy of uh, the potter and the clay. Uh, <clears throat> it's hard for us to see ourselves that way, but that's the way it is. Uh, God is uh, in charge and we um, are subservient to him. And uh, a lot of people have difficulty with that. Uh, our pride sometimes won't allow us to accept it, but uh, pride can go before downfall, you know, so you got to be wise in your thinking and understand what the, what exactly the Lord is revealing to us. Uh, we went over this last week. Uh, we'll have to hit it again so we can go forward. Uh, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault for who has resisted his will? Uh, if God is sovereign, uh, Why does he find fault with us? He makes us what we are. Uh, How is it possible for us to resist his will? Okay, he decides uh, what he's gonna fashion fashion us into. But indeed, old man, who are you to reply against God? Who are you to uh, (coughs) charge God with uh, wrongdoing as though he did wrong? What gives you the right to uh, question God at that level? Uh, Job made the same mistake. He questioned God, the goodness of God, and oh, the love of God in general. Uh, He couldn't see how God could actually say that he loved him in spite of the way he was being treated. And Job, uh, though he didn't deny the Lord, and though he didn't curse his name, uh, he got real close to the edge. He was very upset. Uh, He thought God was uh, doing wrong by allowing him to suffer the way he did because he wasn't guilty of uh, any uh, heinous behavior. And uh, this was just unacceptable. The problem, uh, one of the problems that Job uh, suffered from is that he didn't understand what heinous behavior was. His theology for one thing was, it was wrong. Uh, he, He misunderstood God. Uh, they had this uh, belief that when you do good, God blesses you, and when you do bad, God punishes you. And that, of course, was not true. And he was basing his conclusions on his own uh, theology. And he didn't understand uh, what his transgression actually was. It was much bigger than he thought it was. He was guilty of a a high crime that uh, he wasn't even aware of. And of course we know that the Lord uh, revealed it to him before their um, debate came to a close. But uh, to, to question uh, the goodness of God just because of outward circumstances reveals a lack of understanding of who God is and what he's actually like. Uh, I don't always know why things happen that happens. But regardless of what happens, I do know uh, that the Lord loves me and that somehow, some way, all things, whatever they are going on in my life, are going to work together for good. Ultimately, it will come out all right. Uh, I may not understand it in this lifetime, but it will. It's going to be for my good. Uh, we know that the Lord sometimes uses adversity to train us by Uh, Well, we don't understand it, but we know that that's how God deals with his people. His objective, his goal is to prepare us for eternal life. And sometimes that requires going to the woodshed, just like we treat our children. Uh, They don't understand why we spank them or why we ground them, but we do nonetheless. Why? Because we're doing it for their good. We're trying to train them to be good people. And uh, of course they think we're mean, but uh, that's the way we behave towards the Lord a lot. And that's what Paul's anticipating uh, the question of the Jews would be. Uh, God, God is doing wrong to Israel. He made us this way. He's the potter, we're the clay. Will the thing form say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? The pottery doesn't talk back to the potter, but people do talk back to God, indicating a misunderstanding of the the power and the nature of God, of course. Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? Uh, he's, he's alluding, well, the Jews were very familiar with the uh, story of the potter and the clay in uh, Jeremiah chapter 18. That it was something that was uh, taught frequently, much like Sermon on the Mount is among us. Uh, they, they understood that the Lord, uh, sometimes, he begins to fashion something into one thing, and then because of a defect in, well, he deals with people defect, say, in the nation, the Lord would have to take a different route. He may have to call in the Babylonians and allow them to go into captivity for 70 years that they may learn not to blaspheme God. Okay, he was wanting to go this way, but he had to go this way because there was a a fault in the nation. It wasn't what he wanted to do, it's what he had to do in order to spare the nation. Uh, That's the lesson being taught in Jeremiah chapter 18. And that's what Paul's uh, referring to here. Uh, Something, uh, this is something they were familiar with. Take uh, the power of the potter and apply it to the power of Jehovah and you got basically the same thing. He fashions it into what he wants it to be. And of course we know that for, for us, it's that we would be conformed to the image of his son. That's what he's fashioning us into, that we would be like Jesus. Not in appearance, but in behavior. What if God then, uh, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, what if God endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath for uh, destruction? He's talking, uh, I believe he's talking about uh, the Gentiles. Okay, one of the things that was upsetting to the Jew was the entrance of the Gentiles into the kingdom of God. And this was uh, contrary to their core beliefs. And Paul says, well, what if God, because he wants to show his anger, he wants to show what makes him angry, and because he wants to make sure everybody knows the power that he, he wields, what if God endured was patient with, put up with, through much long suffering, the vessels of wrath that were otherwise prepared for destruction, that could be Jew or Gentile, either one, but uh, I think most people would first think it was the Gentile, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. The, uh, the nation of Israel was prepared for glory. The, uh, the Gentiles uh, had gone off and abandoned Jehovah. And now what if God, uh, because he wanted to show his wrath, his anger against uh, blasphemy on the part of the Jews and uh, uh, paganism on the part of the Gentiles, what if he wanted to show the world what it is that makes him angry? and to make all see, to know, to understand what kind of power he wields. What if he endured, he put up with the behavior of these people for all these years that he might ultimately uh, show mercy towards those who uh, changed, toward those who had a change of heart, a change of mind, that even us, whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Uh, He's talking about the mercy of God, his willingness to endure uh, wrongdoing to put up with it because the hope or the goal ultimately is to bring about a change. Here he's talking about nations, but it could be individuals also, it's the same principle. Uh, He may put up with a person that's uh, very uh, uh, rebellious in heart, Knowing that this person, given time and opportunity, uh, will make a change in his life, he will uh, he will turn to the Lord for instruction and guidance. What if he, knowing this, chose to be long-suffering towards such a person? Is that wrong of the Lord to do? And of course, the answer is going to be no, because He did it for both Jew and Gentile. They were all in the same predicament. Uh, the Jews may have been a little worse than the Gentile because the Gentile was completely ignorant of God and the ways of God, whereas the Jew knew. He knew what Jehovah wanted and yet decided not to do it anyway. So whose sin is the greater? The one who sins out of ignorance or the one who willfully sins? Uh, In the scriptures, we're taught that the willful sin is obviously the worst of the two. What if God wanted to be merciful to such? And he said this in Hosea. If they were familiar with the Bible, they would have understood what was going to happen. This is from Hosea chapter 2, verse 23. I will call them my people who were not my people and her beloved who was not beloved. Uh, Those who are not the people of God, he said, I will one day call the people of God. Uh, A change is going to take place among these people, and they will be at that time the people of God. Well, who's he talking about? He's talking predominantly about the the Gentiles. He's going to bring the Gentiles into his kingdom one day. Again, in Hosea chapter 1 and verse 10, a prophet said, it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them you are not my people there one day in the future they shall be called sons of the living God the Lord would exercise mercy toward these people why because they changed because he he changed directions and what he was going to make them into why because of a willful disposition on his part not at all It was because the content of the character of that which he was molding, they changed. And when they changed, the Lord changed uh, his fashioning and he made them into what he wanted them to be. And that would be uh, conformed to the image of Christ. Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel. This is from Isaiah 10, verses 22 and three. Through the number of the children of Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. Though the promise to Abraham was that his seed would be as the stars of the heaven and as the sand of the seashore, the Lord is saying only a remnant, only a small number of that great number will ultimately be saved. This is something they knew all the time. Their doctrine during the first century was all circumcised Jews were going to be saved. Okay, you may, you may suffer, some taught that you may suffer for a little while because of your crimes, Uh, But ultimately, you'll be released from that place and you'll be able to live with God above. Uh, Why? Because they were the seed of Abraham. This was their teaching. And the whole time, Jehovah had taught them that it was only going to be a small small group that would ultimately be saved among the number of Israel. Uh, And the reason was because of God's uh, willful Uh, Decision to to reject them, not at all. It was because of the content of their character. They did not uh, measure up, they did not live the way they were designed to live. And when it came time to separate the sheep from the goats, they were not qualified to be numbered among the sheep. And therefore, um, they went off to the left rather than the right. Uh, It was taught about Israel, it was taught about the Gentiles. Nothing nothing new has happened, Paul's saying. This isn't some strange thing that just popped out of the sky at the last minute. The prophets foretold these days long, long ago. Again, Isaiah said in chapter 1 and verse 9, unless the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, a remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. If the Lord hadn't fashioned a remnant, a seed, out of Israel, Israel would have been completely wiped out. But Jehovah stepped in and he fashioned those who were willing, he fashioned them into what he wanted them to be. That's uh, the end of chapter, well, not really, he got a few verses. But basically that's the end of the ninth chapter. He's, he's obviously he's explaining how God deals with people. It's very important chapter two. As a matter of fact, uh, these first 10 chapters, uh, if, if you can learn and understand those, you'll understand all of Paul's writings because uh, the things he teaches in uh, his other letters Uh, you're gonna gonna find the the, the foundation for those teachings in the Roman letter. It's one of the reasons why it's so hard. Uh, It it covers so many subjects, but uh, he he uses uh, the root to uh, help us uh, see and understand uh, what the ultimate conclusion uh, will be. Again, uh, we go on to verses 30 through 33 Well, what shall we say then? What do we conclude after all the things that I've said? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. The Gentiles, the pagans, uh, what happened? They did not pursue righteousness. It wasn't on their list of things to do. Uh, When the Gentile woke up each morning, he didn't think, well, what would the Lord have me to do today? He didn't think about the Lord. He wasn't interested in the Lord, not Jehovah at least. Uh, he had no intention of measuring up to the desires of Jehovah. That wasn't what his life was all about. He did not pursue righteousness. Nevertheless, he attained righteousness. He wasn't looking for it, but he got it anyway. It, it In miniature, I think, We see uh, a similar case uh, in Paul, the apostle, uh, on the Damascus highway. He, He wasn't looking for righteousness. He was out to pursue the Christian peoples. And even though he wasn't looking for righteousness, he found righteousness nevertheless. Righteousness, what is he talking about? Being made righteous, okay? Being made righteous. This is something that only God can do. Only God can make us righteous. Uh, he um, he um, imputes righteousness to us, and that's how we become righteous. That's how come we, we're perfect in Christ. That's how come we're, we're whole in Christ. That's why we lack nothing in Christ. Why? Because God imputed righteousness to us. He charged us with righteousness and whatever it is we lack, Christ makes up the rest. Uh, So Paul, he wasn't looking for righteousness. Nevertheless, he found righteousness. He ran into the Lord Jesus. Uh, They had a discussion. Paul went on to Damascus and pondered the things that had happened. Uh, He he conversed a, a little bit about what had happened, and he was offered uh, the gift of salvation, and he chose to accept it, and he had righteousness imputed to him. You go back to Romans uh, chapter one, verse 17, I don't know if you remember, but I belabored that point a lot. Uh, It's where uh, the gospel reveals the righteousness of God Uh, the gospel shows us how God makes us righteous. And that's what we see in the case of Paul, for example. We see how Paul, a man who was not looking for righteousness, nevertheless found righteousness. God imputed righteousness to him because Paul underwent a change of heart. And the Lord accepted him and made him righteous even though he was on a mission to persecute Christians, the Lord imputed righteousness to this man. And then he tells us how and why the Lord imputed righteousness. It is the righteousness of faith, the righteousness that comes by faith. He was uh, he received righteous, he was declared righteous because he trusted in Jesus. And uh, because of that, uh, god made him whole you know uh, this is one of the things i learned in my life that made me feel um, uh, secure in my salvation Uh, it wasn't that i was accepted by god because of something i i did myself it's that I was accepted by God because God chose to accept me because I I believed in Jesus. And it wasn't because of anything I had done or anything I was going to do. I didn't have to, I didn't have to perform acts like a like a circus seal or something. Uh, all I had to do was to keep on believing Jesus, and as long as I kept on believing Jesus, God continued to impute righteousness to me. Uh, I was uh, I was whole, not because of anything I had done. That's what always troubled me. I never I was never good enough, and I knew that. I was never good enough. I, I could look around and I could see a uh, hundred people that were better than I was as far as being a Christian's concerned. And uh, I wasn't going to be the last one in line trying to get in heaven and the door shut at the last minute and keep me out. It didn't work that way. Uh, It was uh, an imputed righteousness, uh, something that God bestowed upon us because we trusted in his son. And when does God impute righteousness to us? Well, when we turn to Jesus. Okay, how much faith does a person have when they turn to Jesus? How much do they do for the Lord? When I, when I became a Christian one night over in that other building, uh, I came forward and Herman Fox tried to uh, baptize me, took a little help, but uh, he got the job done. Uh, I, was, uh, I was a born-again Christian. You know how much I understood on a scale of one to 100? I probably understood about a point five. I didn't know hardly anything. I was the dumbest rock in the room. I knew I was going to do my best to be loyal to Jesus. I knew I would do that, that's my nature, to do the best I can do when I commit to something but I didn't know if I would ever trust him very much. It didn't take anything special on my part because it wasn't about me, it was about the Lord. I believed and I acted on that belief. I did what the Lord said to do in the Bible. I confessed his name I I I said I would repent of my sins uh, and I was immersed in water for for forgiveness I didn't understand it but I did it because well that's what the Bible said doesn't take a Solomon to understand that I just didn't know why at the time I did it anyway well that was what it took for me to be made righteous not some great thing And then uh, I was finally comfortable with my relationship to the Lord because it wasn't about what I could do. It was about what the Lord could do. And that's what troubles me today with many Christians is uh, you can't get satisfied in the mind uh, that we are actually... A saved person, and that we will one day uh, live with God in heaven. Because, you know, I'm not worthy. It's good when we get to the point where we understand why we'll live with the Lord. And it's not because of me or you; it's because of Him. So, this is what Paul's saying: the Gentiles, they were so. They were so anti-Christ, it was unbelievable. But some of them, on a given day, had a change of heart, and they attained righteousness, and the Jews couldn't understand it. How could they be made righteous? Well, it was righteousness that comes through faith, not through works. Righteousness that comes through faith. If it were through works, the Gentiles would have been up the creek because they had no works whatsoever. And this was all done through Jesus. Now, on the other hand, there's Israel. They were pursuing the law of righteousness. I'm supposed to say they were pursuing the law of Moses. Well, that's not really the truth. I don't think they ever really pursued the law of Moses. They pursued their concept of the law of Moses. They had changed the law of Moses in in many many ways uh, it's kind of like what's done today uh, in the Protestant religion for example um, you don't have to be immersed in water uh, to be saved even though the Bible says so but you don't have to really be immersed in water you can uh, you can pray and by your faith you can be made whole which is a contradicting contradiction in actions but uh, you see that's not That's not trusting in the Bible. That's not trusting in Jesus. To trust in Jesus is to be immersed because he said so. But when you change that and you make it into something different, what you want it to be, you're not trusting in Jesus. You're trusting in this thing over here that you made. And if I say they were pursuing the law of Moses, I would, I would lead you astray because that's not really what they were pursuing. They were pursuing their version of the law of Moses. They were pursuing what they had turned into. Just like today, there are people who pursue uh, Baptist doctrine or they pursue the Methodist discipline. These are their, their books uh, that tells them the rules of how they're supposed to live these are the things they pursue, it's not the Bible, it's not the word of God, it's not God, it's human teachings. So just like the Jews weren't truly pursuing the law of Moses, even so today, millions of people are not really pursuing Christ. They're they're pursuing, we can call it Christ light, if you want to. But uh, it certainly wasn't Christ, because uh, when you pursue him, whatever he said, that goes. Because he's a sovereign. He's my sovereign. Uh, They were trying to merit their uh, salvation through law keeping. This is something that many of us have tried to do. I tried to do it for a while, uh, because I really didn't understand the law of righteousness, uh, I was trying to understand, but I didn't get it for a long time. Uh, So I was trying to be good enough. uh, And then finally one day I found out I was wrong. Uh, But Israel, nonetheless, they were trying to merit, uh, be good enough uh, in the keeping of what they thought was the law of Moses. uh, And they would earn salvation. And they were wrong. What does Paul say? Uh, they were pursuing the law of righteousness, notwithstanding, they did not attain the law of righteousness. It goes back to what I said. They weren't really pursuing the law of righteousness. Had they been pursuing the law of righteousness, they would have attained the law of righteousness. But they did not pursue the law of righteousness. They pursued something of their own making. They didn't keep the law perfectly. If you, if you tried to keep the law as it is written perfectly, you would fail because we've all sinned, which proves that we all would have failed. If I'm going to be good enough to be saved, I must keep the law perfectly because if I commit a sin, the law is going to condemn me in the day of judgment because I have no way of having that sin removed. So uh, even the person who did try to keep the law perfectly, they aren't able to do it. So the Jew who was pursuing something that looked like the law of righteousness, they, they were way off base and they did not pursue or did not attain the law of righteousness. They were not made righteous because they never uh, developed in the way that they should have developed it's very important and and it was not understood in the first century and it's one of the reasons why the jews uh, pursued christian missionaries uh, so vehemently because their doctrine ultimately um, demonstrated the fact that they were not joined to god in in these two verses Paul has demonstrated that Gentiles, not all Gentiles, some Gentiles, very few, but some. Some Gentiles were justified by God. Why? Because they pursued righteousness. Some Israelites who attempted to be justified by law keeping, they were not justified. Why? Because they attempted to be justified through law keeping, which they could not possibly do. There's only one way to be uh, justified, and that is to be approved of God. That's the only way. Uh, and that's what Paul's going to say. Why uh, did they not attain righteousness? Because they did not seek it by faith. As it were, they sought it by the works of the law. They tried to be good enough. Now, I want you to think about that, that idea every time you say, I'm not good enough. I want you to remember these words because this is what Paul's talking about. When I, when I continue to say I'm not good enough or my friends say I'm not good enough, uh, I understand that they're not seeking uh, righteousness, the law of righteousness, by faith. They don't understand. They're, they're trying to pursue salvation by the wrong avenue. And now that I know what it means to be made righteous, I can share it with the people that I care for. And I can help them understand also why it's not about me being good enough. It's about the fact that Jesus is good enough. It's all about Jesus, it's not me and you. It's all about Jesus. And if I can trust him and you can trust him We've got it made. We are more than conquerors, as Paul said, through him who loved us. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. This was the problem that the Jews had. with They stumbled at Jesus uh, because of who he was, just like it was written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame whoever does not believe in him will not attain righteousness. It's not hard. It's not hard. It's about learning to, to believe. That's hard. That's hard. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of work. People don't like to talk about work when you talk about being a Christian. I'm going to tell you something. It takes a lot of work to have faith. A lot of work to have faith. Because before you can have faith, you gotta work for it. And we'll talk about that in chapter 10, if Roy doesn't interrupt me. Uh, The contrast, number six, between unattainable legal righteousness and the righteousness of faith as offering salvation on feasible terms. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. He truly loved the Jewish people. I bear them witness that they have zeal for God. They were, they were the ones Paul knew and was associated with. They were uh, bent on, on doing what they thought the law of Moses required. They were really, really, really trying to do those things. They had zeal. I bear them witness that they do have zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. They had zeal without knowledge. They had a desire to make God happy, but they didn't know how to do it because that information is only attained through the scriptures. You have to have knowledge to understand what it takes to make God happy. We can't just guess and know. So if you got zeal, you got a burning passion that you want the Lord to love you. You have to have knowledge so you can pursue that love. But if you don't have knowledge, you have no idea what to do. What should I do? to win the favor or the love of God. There has to be instruction there somewhere. God has to teach me somehow. The prophets prophesied that we would all be taught by God because that was essential to our attaining righteousness. We had to know who God was. So this is what Paul's alluding to. They have a zeal for God, but they don't know what to do with it. They're running around in circles trying to do what they think they ought to do. And in the process, they're wrong. <clears throat> verse 3, he'll go on to say, we'll look at it in a minute, uh, they were ignorant of God's righteousness. And this is the problem. This is the real problem. If we are lacking knowledge of God, then we're also going to lack knowledge of the righteousness of God. Understanding the righteousness of God is the result of my knowledge It's because I know how God makes people righteous that I can know how to attain righteousness. There has to be knowledge for without it uh, you can't attain righteousness. And Paul will press that point in verse 3. They were ignorant of God's righteousness. They had a zeal for God but they didn't have knowledge. They were ignorant of what it took to be made righteous by God. So they sought to establish their own righteousness. And that's I think, logical. You, you have a zeal. You want the Lord to be proud of you, but uh, you don't know what to do. So what you do as a rule is you listen to others. When, uh, when I became a Christian, uh, most everything I did, I did because other people were doing it. I didn't know. We eat the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. I didn't know if we were supposed to or not. But that's what the Church of Free Will did, and that's what I did. That's what the people over there believed, so that's what I believed. My my source of information was the church, what they were doing. Now, my beliefs could be right if the church was right but my beliefs would be wrong if the church was wrong. And even if my beliefs were right, ultimately they would do me no good at all because my faith was in the church of free will and not in Jesus. I was trusting free will to be right. And that's where I gleaned my information. I think most people do. When people first become Christians, I think what they do, they do because that's what mom and daddy does. And we follow in their steps. I'm not saying that's bad. That's natural. But we have to, we have to, we have to go on to perfection. We, 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 we partake of the Lord's Supper because this is what mom and daddy does. But as time goes on, I I learn why we are to partake of the Lord's Supper. And there comes a day in my future where I'm partaking of the Lord's Supper, not because Mom and Daddy did it, but because I know that's what the Lord wants me to do, you see. I have to acquire that knowledge for myself. This the Jews failed to do. They just continued to follow what had been established by men. They were ignorant of God's righteousness, how God makes people righteous, and therefore they sought to establish their own system of righteousness. What should a man do to be considered a good man? And they would figure that out, and that would become a rule. What should a man do to be a a good husband or a good father? And they would figure out what a body ought to do, and then that's what they would do. When Jesus was in the world, the Jews, most of their laws came from the Talmud, not from the Bible. Most of what they did, they did because of the tradition of the fathers, not because of the Bible. They weren't following the instructions of Moses. They were following the instruction of their forefathers. And in the end, uh, that was a serious mistake. Let's think about this for a week, and then uh, we'll discuss it a little more next week. I, I I can promise you, and I hope this sinks in, that the problem that happened back then is the same problem that exists today. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed.